going to speak about uh, this morning out of Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go there. And one of the things um, uh, I want to try and uh, communicate this morning is just to inspire us again afresh. Um, with just uh, some hope and some uh, purpose for this year as a church and where we're going. My question I'm going to ask you today is, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? 2023, what are you seeing? Let's read out of Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, and it says, um, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And one of the things that um, uh, when I was listening, uh, well, actually reading, reading uh, on the Bible app a few days ago, this was the uh, verse of the day um, came up and it's been something I've been reflecting on um, as we came in through the end of last year and into 2023, was this idea, um, for I'm about to do something new. Um, and it's easy to preach on that when you've got a new year and, and stuff like that, and it's the start, and everyone's thinking about, oh, new year, new opportunities, and God always says, something, I'm going to do something new. He's always up to something new. But I really felt that God, um, God pressed this on me, um, but particularly... The next phrase, which he says, see, I have already begun. Do you not see it? Do you not see it? And I felt God speak into my heart and just say, what, it, what are you seeing, Lawrence? What are you seeing? I have this, um, I have, I've, I've spoken about my glasses before. Um, as you get older, um, and I'm just going to use this illustration just to start. I'll use some others later. But um, I wear these glasses. I have to when I'm driving. Um, because my long sight is not very good. But my close sight is really good. Um, and, and so I have this blessing, I think, where I can pick up uh, something and, and my wife picks up my phone all the time and she looks at my text message and goes, how the heck can you read that, man? It's like minuscule. And I said, that's the point. No one can read it uh, apart from me. Um, and so I have, I have text really small and I can handle that, but I've just got to an age where, where uh, my eyes used to be able to, while I was wearing these glasses, they used to be able to focus on close things um, really easily. But now I've found myself, and, and while we've been, so for the last two and a half weeks, my, my family and I have been working on our kitchen, so we've gutted our kitchen and, and, and reinstalled partially um, a new one over the last two and a half weeks. Um, and, and one of the things that's part of that is you've got to, you got to measure things and read on a measuring tape and stuff. And I found myself doing this all the time and lifting my glasses up on the top of my head to, so I can actually see because it is out of focus when I've got these on, but it's not when I lift them up for my close sight. And yet when I lift them up now, I can't see your faces a bit blurry. I recognise who you are, of course, but because you're all amazing people and you're all smiling at me nicely. Um, <laughs> But when I put these down, I can see you. And, and, and what, God, what I felt God saying to me was, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? I'm doing something new, but what are you seeing? 
How many of you have ever um, been through a stage where you uh, have, been, have been looking at buying something new? I remember I went through a stage where we were looking at new cars. And uh, I've never, never, ever bought a new car, a brand new car, never, ever bought one. Um, doesn't mean I won't in the future, but I never have. And we were, we were doing this moment where we had this moment of, of thinking, do we invest in a brand new car because our cars are getting towards a, a, a stage where it's, the costs of them are going up. Do you know what I mean by that, eh? In fact, uh, my mechanic said to me about one of them um, back in November, we, we went to him and he said, well, here's the reality. The car's worth about four grand and I'm going to spend about two grand on fixing it. Uh, so, so what are you going to do? And, uh, and so we went through this moment of looking at cars because we were going, well, do we want to replace and all that sort of thing. And what I found was when you, when you actually begin to think about new cars, you become aware of new cars everywhere. Have you noticed that? Like, one of the things that happens around at the moment is, has anyone noticed that there are more electric cars on the road now than there ever have been? And there's more, te- seem to be more Teslas around for some reason. And it's amazing when you notice something, it grabs your attention whenever you see it. Whenever you're thinking or your focus is on something, you see it everywhere, right? Like, one of the things I've, I've noticed is if, if you're thinking about a particular car or a particular um, buying a new watch, like I went through a stage where I was, I was looking at a smart watch and, and what happens is you notice everyone's watches. Most of the time you have no idea. Right now you're already looking at watches around you because I've mentioned it. And what happens is as our brain works that what you are thinking about or what is absorbing your attention is what attracts your eye. It's really interesting. And so you can miss, like I, when I, when I, I think back a long time ago, we bought um, a Subaru Legacy station wagon. Um, and I remember there was quite a period of time we were looking, looking at these, um, these legacies. And I remember driving around and seeing them everywhere. It was like every second car was a Subaru Legacy. And I'm like, how come I have never noticed that before? It's been right in front of my eyes that those cars are everywhere, but it's not until it actually became of interest to me that I noticed it. And I wonder as I read this, I wonder sometimes whether we miss some of what God is doing that's new around us because it hasn't drawn our attention or we're not looking for that thing, our attention's on something else. One of the things I've found really, really interesting over the last, um, the last six months to two years with COVID and the journey we've been through is that I have spoken to quite a few now believers and people, Christians, whose attention is on a particular part of that journey that we've been on and that's all they see right? The worst case of this is, and, and, and it's amazing how the manufacturers and the programmers of our social media work on how our brain works, right? You start to look at something on social media and the way the algorithms are programmed, so that doesn't happen. What presents to you on your social media feed 
is actually activated to work on how your brain works because they want to make money out of you, right? They want to get data. And so they attract your attention to certain things. And once you've clicked on it or you've done something, that opens up a portal to a whole bunch more that relates to that because it draws your attention and it works with how your brain operates. And so you can get sucked into this whole thing on social media, not because you're a weird person or you're a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but just because the programmers work to get you to do stuff so they make money off you, right? That's really what it's all about. And they'll draw you into stuff. And it's the same, that's just the way our brain works. And I think for us, sometimes if you're in a world in your faith where you're expecting certain things to result and we're heading on a particular trajectory in the world, then that's all you'll see and that's all you'll look for. Does that make sense? And it's all that will attract your attention. And what I, when I read this, I read that God is challenging me with what are you seeing because it's already begun the something new, but you haven't seen it yet. Are you willing to open your eyes and look for something fresh? And you know, sometimes you've heard the message of, oh, it's a new year, new things. And we go, oh, yep, don't wanna do resolutions, da, 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 da. And so we, we get stuck in our situations because we're not willing to look for something new because God's on the new path. He's always renewing. He's always redeeming. He's always restoring. He's always into new creation. That's the whole purpose of resurrection is new creation is breaking out in our lives right here and right now all the time. But you don't, sometimes we're just unaware of it because our attention hasn't been drawn to that yet. It was interesting. I did some research about vision and eyes. I think this is super interesting. Super interesting. So you've got two eyes. Most of us have two eyes. And most of, those, most of us, those eyes are functioning to some level of capacity, all right? Varying amounts. But there's science behind the way they work. And I love this. I mean, some of you will know this more than me, but it works by light. And, uh, and, and so you pick up light coming into your iris in the middle and it comes onto some receptors at the back and it takes what that light it receives and sends it through an optic nerve to a part of your brain that's called the thalamus, the thalamus. And there's a particular, and some of you will be able to correct me on this, there's a particular part of that bit of the, the thalamus which particularly takes your visual input. So what it gets from the optic nerve and from your eye comes into this particular part and it processes that. It's the first part of your visual pathway. Now, what's interesting for me in your brain at that moment, what it sees from your eyes is only 20% of the input that it receives in processing the decision about what you're seeing. Only 20%. One-fifth of the input that that particular part of your brain is receiving is from the physical eyes. There's another 80% of information that it's drawing on from your cortex, from your brainstem that it is using to then feed on to the next part um, of the visual pathway, which is your visual cortex. But that first one, because it's only 20% is coming from your eyes, 
what you see physically is being modified by all that other information that comes in at the same time. Which is why what you see is affected by your mental state. So if you're feeling depressed, what you see will be influenced by that depression. If you're feeling hopeless, what you see is going to be influenced by that state of mind because your brain is built to function like that. If you've experienced particular things in the past and you all of a sudden see something that relates to what you've experienced in the past, your brain draws all of that data from your previous experience and adds it to what you see and sends it to the visual cortex to process it, to then go, okay, what do I do with that? Right? So sometimes what you are physically, your eye is physically seeing is not what your brain is processing. Does that make sense? So in the visual cortex, it develops and it works this process, it goes to the lower part of the visual cortex, which it does contrast, colour and movement, and then it moves up in complexity. How many of you have had um, a machine that, uh, sorry, uh, one of your devices and you're on Wi-Fi and the Wi-Fi happens to be really slow, and you click onto a news page and there's a photo at the top, and it starts off blurry and pixelated, and then given enough time it comes into full HD. Does anyone ever seen that? where it looks a bit blurry and then eventually it catches up and the data comes through. That's how your visual cortex operates. It moves up the system and by the time you've got to the top, you've got all the information and all the, the detail of what you've just seen. That is a, an incredibly slow and high processing process to do that. What they call a bottom-up processing, where you start off with the basic information and you add more to it and it becomes more complex to the top. That involves a lot of brain power and a lot of processing time to do that. So what your brain does is it does what they call top-down processing. So it fills in all the information that it has from within its memory and with everything that's going on and it starts at the top and then moves its way down. So it starts with all this detail and then simplifies it out to make sure that what it's got is appropriate. It's faster. But what that means is your brain tricks you all the time about what reality is. I'm going to show you a couple of illustrations, okay? So um, there's a picture of a checkerboard, which we're going to just put up on the screen. Now, the light's probably not great. But if you look at that picture, your brain is telling you that one is darker than the other. You can look on that screen back there. If you turn behind, you can see it a bit better. Some of you need your glasses. Um, I can see it perfectly, just saying. uh... (laughs) If I look at that, how many of you think that A is darker than B? So Chris is saying A is darker than B. Anyone else saying A is darker than B? Okay. Is B darker than A? Okay, excellent. Let me show you the next slide. This is what A and B are. They're exactly the same. But because of the way that the previous illustration, if you flick back to it, David, because of the way there is a brightened patch in the middle over a dark square, your brain tricks you into thinking that B 
is Dhaka. Okay? But they're actually the same colour, but your brain has tricked you. So reality compared with what you're actually seeing and what your brain is saying to you is actually different. Now, Mark's going to go, I'm going to go home and do that on Photoshop. and turn. Sorry? Look at them. It's what the brain is tricking you. That flick to the next one again, David. Flick to the next one. Um, okay, and now I'm just going to do you another one, which is again about visual perception. Um, this is a short video clip, um, and there's a bit of a voiceover to do with this. This is the hollow head. Actually, at the moment, it's a perfectly normal head of Charlie Chaplin. But wait, as it comes round, you'll see, or will you, that it's hollow. The back of it coming round now is actually a hollow mask. It appears to rotate in the opposite direction. And amazingly, the nose sticks out, although it's actually sticking in. Coming round now is the normal correct, as it were, face, and wait again as it comes round, and you'll see this extraordinary thing, like Jekyll and Hyde, both the noses stick out, because it's so unlikely that a nose sticks in, that a face is hollow, so you see it as convex, although it's in fact concave, as now, and then it'll become the normal face again, there, and note, as soon as the features appear in the hollow inside, it will look convex as though it's a normal face almost, though it isn't. As soon as the features appear, there, your brain refuses to see it as hollow simply because it is so unlikely. And this demonstrates the immense power of top-down knowledge which will actually counter signals bottom up from the senses and force an extraordinary illusion in which the sensory information of the present is cancelled by immense knowledge derived from the past because you've seen so many faces all with their noses sticking out. So it's just impossible to see that as correctly hollow. Okay. Oh, first time I saw that, I was like, emoji blowing brain up. Like, it's incredible, isn't it? And in the context of what I'm talking about today, about the fact that God is asking us to look again. Because sometimes reality is different to what you are processing and what the information your brain is giving you. Our brains are all the time trying to make sense of what they see. Your brains are. The amazing thing for us as believers is we are not ruled by our brains or our senses. We are called to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? So the counter to what I've just presented to you in regards to how your brain works is the Holy Spirit is not deceived by illusion or light or shadows or past or anything like that. He presents the truth as it is and what you need to see right now for the next step in the path. 
of following him. For each of us, we're called to be listening to the Holy Spirit, not to what's going on and what we're thinking in our brains. Doesn't mean we disconnect our mind from our faith. I'm not saying that. Still think. Yeah, absolutely. Still use common sense. But there are times when God is speaking to us and saying things like, I'm doing something new. Can you see it? It's already begun. Can you see it? And the question then becomes not, can I see it as I'm looking? But can I see it with the eyes of my spirit, with the eyes of my heart, what God is trying to do and what he's trying to show me? See, it's interesting. I want to read, um, read from uh, Matthew 13 because I think Jesus talked about this a little bit um, in his uh, explanation after he taught the parable of the farmer or the sower, depending on In Matthew 13, he makes this um, this response to the disciples when they asked him why he spoke in parables. Okay, he says this in Matthew 13 and verse 11 through. He says this, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. And then he quotes out of the Old Testament, um, out of Isaiah, and he says, For they look, but they don't really listen. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Sorry, they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. And this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and the ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes. So the eyes cannot see and the ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let them heal them. Let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Now, when you, when you look at that, you go, oh, well, is Jesus talking literally there about my seeing and my hearing? Maybe, but there's some indicators in the context of that passage that it's about something deeper than just our physical seeing and hearing and understanding that he's talking about some sort of spiritual insight and senses that we have through the Holy Spirit, where because we've become followers of Jesus, those become activated and available to us. And our challenge as disciples and followers of Jesus is to allow those senses that the Holy Spirit gives us to begin to lead us in the way that God wants us to live. Are you with me? The question here that that Jesus puts here is to ask ourselves, is my heart hard, as in my spiritual heart? Has it become hard? Have my ears become uh, become closed so they can't hear and my eyes closed so I can't see? Because it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and become so 
caught up in something of what you've experienced of God and what you've seen of God or even some of the bad experiences that happen in life that affect our hearts and how we see and hear and what we're listening to, that we no longer can hear the Spirit of God clearly. And when that happens, we begin to become people that are dictated by other influences in our world, not by the Spirit within us. Does that make sense? And I I think for me, the challenge here is the longer you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, the more likely it is that you're struggling with hardness of heart and difficulty of hearing and seeing. Because your experiences of life, the more of that that's there, the more that hinders and becomes a feeding conduit into how you're reading and hearing things today. And I think the challenge for all of us is to continue to keep our spirits open and our hearts soft towards God. That is the key part of the parable of the farmer or the sower is the condition of the heart, remember? It's the good heart that receives the seed that produces the the harvest, the condition of the soil of our hearts. So I come back to what are we seeing? Because sometimes, and I think the challenge for me, I'm, I'm, I've been brought up in the church and one of my, from right at the beginning, you know, from birth all the way through, a follower and, and around church and knowledge of Jesus and all of that. But my constant challenge is to be ensuring my heart is soft, my eyes, my spiritual eyes are open and my spiritual ears are open so I'm hearing the voice of God. Because I do not want to miss out on something new that God is doing today that I haven't experienced before. I don't want to have my heart so set on this is what it looks like and this is what God's going to do that I miss that He's shifted things. You know, I look in Hebrews chapter 11 and I look at the people of faith in there and the, the key thing of faith is not, It's not that I know everything that's in the Bible and I believe it and I confess it. The key thing of faith was people heard from God and they said, this is what I'm doing. And they kept on the path of what they'd heard from God because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. You know that God speaks to each one of us, that faith comes from that, not from our experiences, not from what we know, but from what God is saying to us and for us to be continually open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, when I, I, when I think about this, I think this is why community is so important. Being in Christian community and connection is so important because the people around us can help us to perceive when our eyes maybe have got a little bit blurry. How many of you have ever been in a family situation where it becomes obvious that someone in the family is losing their hearing. Anyone? Some of you are right in that situation right now. You know someone and you think, man, it seems like they never can hear what I'm saying and I'm speaking normally. And they're completely unaware of it. I remember it with my dad. 
completely unaware of it. With my father-in-law, he was completely unaware of the fact that he was missing 90% of conversations because of his hearing. And it's not until the community around him, my dad, until my mum told him, we think, I think you're deaf or you're going deaf. You need to go and get your hearing checked. He was oblivious. If it wasn't for the safety of community. And you know, for me, I think it's so important in these times because I think if I want to predict where God is taking the church at the moment, He's taking us away from a knowledge that is based on scriptural knowledge and theology into a space where we are being led by the Holy Spirit off the basis of Scripture. I'm not saying we're getting rid of Scripture. We're just taking it down from where it has been, where it's been elevated almost to idolatry status. And He's bringing us back to the way that we have been called to operate, which is to be led by the Spirit of God. Because in the end, when I read the Scriptures, I know about Scripture, okay? I know quite a bit about it. I've got a lot of knowledge about it. But what I want to hear when I pick up the Bible and I read is I want to hear a fresh word from God that is new for today. Not when I read a scripture go, oh, I've read that one before and this is what it meant to me back then. I want to hear something fresh from God. I want to hear something new from God. Now that doesn't come from my training or my theological understanding. That comes from my intimacy and my connection with Holy Spirit and what He's saying to me right now. Does that make sense? And God is bringing us back, His church, back to a point where the, the Spirit's speaking to us. So you look at the early church, they didn't have Scripture like we had it. They turned the world upside down. Why? Because they were listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit and they were going on the unction in faith that we've heard God. Sometimes they got that wrong. But that wasn't the point. The point was, are you listening to the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit? And if I want to say, if I want to speak apostolically, if you like, to this stage that we're in as the church is being realigned back to the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need community to make that happen effectively. For all the reasons that I've just outlined with visually, you need people around you who are speaking to you and encouraging you, who we're interpreting and we're hearing the voice of God together because there's safety in the multitude of counsellors. See, the challenge for us in the West is our faith has become so individualistic that what we hear from God is all that matters. When I read Acts, and Paul was a prime example of this, he would try to hear God, then he would share it with his team and they would confirm or deny what he was hearing. Sometimes they'd act on it and give it a go and, and it didn't work out. And in the end, what happened was he had a vision. He shared it with his team. He goes, the, the story goes, um, this is the vision from in Troas of, of going to Macedonia. You can go and look at it in Acts. I think it's about Acts 18, I think. And Paul sees this vision of a man from Macedonia speaking to him. He takes it to his team, shares it with the team, and the language changes. This is what I had. I shared it with the team and we decided that that was the voice of God. And they followed it. 
And God opened up a whole new area of mission for them because of that. But there was a language shift because they'd moved from being, they didn't operate in an individualistic way where I hear the voice of God and I do what God's telling me. They always in community made decisions that were significant about where the church was going or where they were going. There's safety in community. We need it. At the moment, what I see across the world in the church is people are splitting off and going into little groups who think the same as them. That's dangerous. I just want to say, that's dangerous. I need to be connecting with people who think differently to me. That's why I'm in a movement that is wider than us because I need to be challenged about the way that I think because I don't want to be hard of hearing and a hard heart and be completely unaware of it. And I know you don't want to be that. The other thing that I just want to challenge us, one is the importance of community. The second thing is for us to be aware of our own biases, our own perceptions and our own story. It is super important that you understand what makes you, you because of your story and your history and where you've come to. Because all of that feeds into what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And the more you understand that, the more you can correct what you're hearing by going, like for me, one of the things that I'm super aware of is I, I have been born in New Zealand. Well, I wasn't born in New Zealand, but I've been raised in New Zealand. <laughs> and because I've been here, there's a particular way of viewing the world that Kiwis have. We have a particular bias and a particular privilege because we've been here in New Zealand. Because of that, there are certain things that we complain about that when you go to some places in the world, they'd be really happy to have just that. Yeah? Like, I remember back where we were going through a stage as a community here locally where we were complaining about the quality of our water because our kettles popped, bubbled and made all funny sounds when we were boiling it. But we'd still turned on our tap and got it. I've got friends who live in Africa who have to walk two kilometres to the well to get water to bring back to their family for the day. I have a bias and a perception because I live in New Zealand and I've had the privilege of that. Now, if I don't understand that and I don't recognise the privilege that I live with, then I will lead to complaining rather than gratefulness, right? But I understood that and I've taken time to become aware of what are, and I'm still becoming aware of, what are the perceptions and biases and things about my life that affect the way I make decisions and the way I see things and what I choose to do as a result. And all of us have those and so more and more, my, my prayer for myself, and I want to encourage you this year, that this is our prayer. God, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, because I want to see there's something new. 
I don't want to miss out on what you're doing in the world today because I know it's going to be something good and something that manifests your kingdom in a way that I have not seen it before and I don't want to miss it. So open the eyes of my heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your presence with us. Holy Spirit, we just want to acknowledge you. And Holy Spirit, I acknowledge that you are the one who leads us. We want to be led by you to a greater degree than we are at the moment. As a church, as a community of faith together, we want to be encouraging each other towards being led more and more by your Spirit into all that you have for us. God, may we never miss out because our hearts have become hard or our eyes don't see very well anymore and our ears aren't hearing. Thank you, you challenged the early churches in Revelation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, may that be true for us. May we have ears and may our cry be, open the eyes of our heart. I pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.